Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to On Brand with Alf and me, Rory Sutherland. Each month I'll be talking to household names as well as challenger brands about success, their challenges and future opportunities in the advertising, marketing and media industry. Alf Insight is the UK's leading business development platform for the advertising and marketing industry. And in April, Alf will be celebrating the UK's leading marketing and sales brands. Sales teams are at the heart of every business's success and the Alpha Awards 2023 offers the opportunity to showcase your team's achievements, as well as network with peers. Award categories include Best Agency Startup, Best New Business Team, Best Partnership, Rising Star in Media Sales, and BD100's Business Developer of the Year. Entries are open until the 13th of January. Simply visit www.alfawards.com. A-W-A-R-D-S.com for more details. And today I'm joined by Lynn Walker, who is director for Primark Cares. Now, before I start, there's a very famous comedian, and I can't remember who, and he'll never get to fulfill his fantasy. But he had a great dream, which was to interview Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, for an hour on television without mentioning the moon landings once, okay? So it's a rather brilliant idea, talking about his early childhood, absolutely everything except the Apollo missions. Uh, now, I did wonder about doing that by not asking, um, actually, Lynn, how you pronounce Primark, because apparently it varies by country and no two people can agree on this. So I thought we'd actually, uh, rather than ducking that question, as the comedian would have done, I'm going to ask it straight up before we get to anything else. Because otherwise, every time I say the word, I'll be beset with anxiety that I'm getting it wrong. Which, which one do you use, Lynn? Um, well, I uh, I always use Primark. Um, uh, reason being, I guess, I'm a Geordie. Um, I like to say Geordies are always right and factually correct. So, yes, Primark for me wins every time. Rory. Oh, fantastic. So, of course, you as a Geordie, you'll be a great patron of uh, that fantastic um, bakery chain, Grease, <laughs> wouldn't you? But anyway, <laughs> so we actually, here we have a definitive answer, okay, from a Geordie, which I agree probably is likely to be right, and it's Primark. Okay, right. We've cleared that up. Um, now, it's extremely well recognized as a leading international retailer. It's got around 70,000 employees and 400 stores across 14 countries. 
And Primark Cares, yes, Primark Cares, is the company's new vision and strategy, which promises change for the better. So, Lynn, again, welcome to the podcast. And when it was launched a year ago, it was described as a defining moment for the company. Can you tell us a bit of background to the initiative and what effect it's having in transforming the business? Because people might be a bit sceptical. So I thought it'd be interesting to uh, hear you dispel our doubts. Yeah, no, great question. So, you know, absolutely. Uh, it's a 10-year, it's a very ambitious program. It was begun um, two years ago, um, very much bringing a very clear framework. Um, absolute laser focus on our responsibility as a business. I think it's really important to say that. We have a huge responsibility to do better for planet and people, Rory. But I think one of the most important things and what I'm really passionate about is how can we, um, Primark, obviously you've just mentioned um, over 400 stores in 15 countries, how can we make real impactful change within the industry and really use our scale to drive that change? So in terms of Primark Cares, um, we very much started this two years ago. My background, um, sure, maybe interesting for listeners, um, was a trading director, very much involved in the operational side of the business, the product side, um, and came in to lead um, this very important program. Um, but really, it was whilst we started the Primark Cares two years ago, it was very much building on existing ethical um, and environmental program that we've had running at Primark for 15 years. Um, and what we did was we put the framework behind Primark Cares. So where do we need to place our laser focus? Where do we need to put um, our um, ambitions really to drive the industry forward? Um, so, yeah, it's been a real interesting journey. Um, and we launched it very much around nine commitments out to the market. Um, they were there, there deliberately to stretch our business. Um, and I suppose some of the ambitions um, that we've done or we've put out there is is really thinking about from a product point of view, how do we actually become a more circular business, but how do we actually tackle fashion waste? And ultimately, how do we make our garments last for longer? Um, how do we repair them or get consumers to repair them? But also, um, you know, how do we get consumers to use their garments for much longer? Um, other other commitments that we're really passionate about is really driving um, a commitment to uh, planet and really thinking about how we can reduce plastics. Um, so moving towards um, removal of single-use plastics, how we can, with a large industry, reduce our um, impact on the planet through a reduction of carbon. Um, and also really thinking most importantly about the people that work in the supply chain. So we have um, probably over excess of 700 people, uh, 700 million people that work in the supply chain and really thinking about what is the right um, commitments to those people um, looking at health and well-being um, and really supporting that journey through the people that make our clothes. So, yeah, it's been really, really impactful. It's been a huge amount of work. We've um, stress tested it with really important um, industry partners um, suppliers, um, colleagues, as you said, we've got 70,000 colleagues in the business. So really um, very proud that we're now a year into Primark Cares and really starting to show quite scaled up progress. So these partnerships, I think uh, there's the uh, uh, Ellen MacArthur Foundation, uh, UNICEF, uh, an organization called Canopy, which I assume is a rainforest or, or, or a forestry organization. Um, 
Are you looking to strike more partnerships as part of these objectives? And yeah, how, I think how, how do you, what, what role do you see them playing? I mean, there is the great element, A, in credibility, but also in keeping you honest. In the, well, the great thing about these partners is they prevent sort of easy self, self-delusion about what progress <laughs> is being made, which is always, I think, a healthy thing to have an external um, adjudicator to some extent. What, what other role do they play with you in a sense? I think I think what's really important, partnerships, you know, they are important. They're important when they're driving real solution and real change. You know, the industry is far from perfect. You know, we said change needs to occur. Primark's got scale and we can actually um, drive change through those partnerships. So it's actually using them in terms of finding solutions. You know, how do you bring the industry together, which in the past probably has been quite siloed. We've got some big challenges ahead of us, really trying to think about, you know, how do we tackle some of the big environmental and social um, challenges that the fashion industry has and how do we use those partnerships for good? And really also one of the things that we're quite passionate about at Primark is really thinking about how can we um, make sustainability more affordable for everybody, but actually bringing that affordability and that choice and that understanding to consumers or to customers so actually they can make a real choice to make change. And I think that's where partnerships bring color, but also give scaled opportunity to be able to put that through products and and, and drive change. Because I was going to ask that question, did some of your partners say, look, actually, and by the way, I'm not saying they mean right to say this, but I would imagine yeah. they might say it. Look, actually, the problem isn't necessarily with you or yours to solve. It's a fundamental behavioral problem about modern the modern age, fast fashion, and people's attitude to clothes, in that I don't suppose I've seen anybody with a darned sock. In my childhood, back in the 60s and 70s, people repaired socks. I must confess, I don't repair socks myself. Once there's a hole, they go, you know, they go in the bit. And um, uh, there was also there was also an issue apparently with you know there's there's a group of people who use fast fashion. Uh, this is rather tragic because they only wear clothes once. So there's a group of people who will go into you know one of the fast fashion retailers, including you, and they'll let's say buy fifty pairs of underpants and they'll throw them away after a single use. Now, did some of these partners say, "Look, actually, this is not a solvable problem until we solve it in terms of consumer behaviour"? And I, I, I'm not, as I said, I, I don't think they're right. I think there's a huge amount you can do upstream, but I, I can imagine people saying that. Yeah, I think I think the partners are all there grappling with the same challenges, and I think what's really important is to think about how do they, you know, they're they're very passionate about their partnerships, and they're actually trying to unlock change rather than focusing on the negative that it's never yeah. going to happen. So, from a partner's point of view, I think. Everybody is ultimately trying to tackle, particularly in fashion around, you know, how do you get consumers to behave differently? How do you get them to um, ultimately use clothes for longer? How do you put value back into clothes? And, you know, from a Primark point of view, we, you know, we often hear that there is a view that, you know, people say that it's cheap clothes that are bought in bulk, worn a few times and thrown away. What we actually see is quite yeah. different, you know, and I am personally and my team are very passionate about that, you know, from a from a basics point of view. So what I mean is black socks, 
white t-shirts, hoodies, um, joggers. You know, people come into us for basic essentials that they can afford, and that's critical. Uh, And not least, by the way, I was going to say that I suspect, I'm not going to name other brands working for an agency, and you never know who's going to turn up on your new business uh, lights, but I can think of quite a few brands that are far worse than you because, as you said, the great thing about basics is you can wear them every day, okay? And as a result, when you like them, you do wear them every day. The figure that, you know, the average item of clothing is only worn, what, five or six times before being discarded or otherwise passed on, I think is is far more, um, I think that's far more applicable to what you might call, uh, you know, fashion party wear, that kind of stuff, than it is to basics. So I, I'd, I'd entirely agree with you there. Um, uh, I, I think that it would be wrong to conflate fast basics, if you like, with fast fashion. Um, because I, don't, I think the, the greater part of the problem probably lies elsewhere. But nonetheless, you must, you know, uh, you must be conscious of the fact that there are also also other questions which where I think you can make a huge difference would be I suppose returns. Uh, are you are you involved in that particularly? No, not not particularly. I mean, we 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 have very low returns for an international ah. retailer. But I think the important thing where we can play our part. So the basics, you know, we've got as I said, I think nearly fifty percent oh. of our, our range are called basics, but we also have come out and, and said we're a brand. We've always been a brand that's affordable for all. Mm. But what we want to do is make sustainability affordable, affordable, and again, feel very passionate about because customers should be able to buy a more sustainable T-shirt at three pounds rather than fifty pounds. But yeah. I think or really te- what the three pounds seventeen. I know about primer <laughs> pricing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I th- but I think what's really important is is to actually use um, our skill set, our scale, and you know we are a bricks and mortar retailer, so we have a huge footfall of customers coming in. And I think what's interesting when you ask about partnerships, one of the things that I think um, as an industry we can drive change is really looking at how do we make garments more durable, and um, for example, so they do last longer. How do you educate customers to? wash at different temperatures so they last longer one of the things that's super interesting we've been doing at primark is actually doing repair so i think it's fascinating that you mentioned you know do you darn your socks rory will invite you to our next repair um workshop in store but we've actually um where that came from was a customer first and foremost a customer of primark when we were in lockdown when our stores were closed actually wrote to our ceo and said please can I um, have a space in store um, to actually bring back the mending techniques to show people how to repair garments. That's now scaled up into 50 free workshops for customers. So I think it's really about being very innovative and thinking about how do you engage with your communities, with your customers to actually tackle a lot of the problems that are happening around disposable fashion. It's very interesting because one one thing I don't know if you ever come across this. It's a bit of a niche concept in marketing, but it's it's known as service dominant logic, and um, it came out of a couple of academics. In fact, um, might have been in Canada. I've got a vague memory. Um, but the interesting thing is that service dominant logic says that you should think of your business in terms of providing services, not goods. Yeah. And their argument is that nearly all economic thinking revolves around goods because it arose discussing things like corn or grain or commodities. And in fact, um, their argument is that you should think of yourself as a service business um, 
even when you're principally selling goods. And what tends to happen is that service businesses think of themselves as selling goods. Actually, they're saying that goods businesses should think of themselves as selling service. And so that whole question of, say, building in repair, maintenance, and aftercare into the product, which could be seen in goods-dominant logic, that will be seen as a cost. It's not a source of value creation. But in service-dominant logic, you'd say, no, 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 this is part of what the person is paying for. They're not just paying to buy the thing in a one-off transaction. They're paying for its, their belief in its durability, their ability to repair it, but also they're paying for the knowledge to look after it. I didn't realize, by the way, um, and, and I'm more actively involved in washing clothes than some of my listeners may expect, uh, usually it. in the business of being told off by my wife for putting something <laughs> colorful in. Um, but um, that, that I didn't realize that the temperature at which you wash doesn't just affect the environment in terms of the energy used in heating the water. It actually affects the lifetime of the clothes as well. That, that was completely news to me when you mentioned it just now. Yeah. And so ed educating people in that thing is, in a sense, part of your product, I think. That's the way to think of it. Whereas what tends to happen is, particularly perhaps retailers, they think of themselves in terms of selling goods. And anything else they provide is provided grudgingly because it's seen as a cost, not as a source of added value. And I think, I think if we can get that change in mentality... Um, I think we should make, you know, we should make quite a lot, you know, we should make quite a lot of progress. Yeah, and I, and I think why it's important. So when you think about it from a, what is the responsibility of a retailer or Primark's responsibility, you know, it is about, you know, what we do within our stores and community. And as you say, educating customers to make changes, but to give them a skill. Um, but actually, what's really interesting about Primark is on our, when you talk about what, how do you make change for good, how do you scale for good? You know, we have 24 million um, active um, social media customers. And so what we've been able to do with repair is offer the um, workshops in store. And obviously, you could argue not everybody can get to those workshops. But actually, what we have been then able to do is to put the content on our website ah. Um, on our social channels, you know, we've been able to give booklets about repair, how to make small changes, because people want this to be easy, right? They don't want to have it to be really complicated. So then they can see all of that. They can download it if they wish. And then you've got 24 million people activated in that change. And this is where, you know, you think about small, interesting ideas, services that actually can be scaled up to make really impactful change. And that's what I'm very passionate about. That's what the team are and that's what Primark are because we can use our scale in that way. And you you must have you must have had a tough COVID period given that you don't sell online, but you have just started click and collect. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, was that was that was that partly a response to the pandemic or were you planning it anyway? Um, I guess that's been in plans for a while. Um, it, in all honesty, um, again, there's a there's a team around that, but um, you know, it's currently a trial. It's a trial in the UK. Um, it's been um met with huge positivity. Um, from a Primark Cares point of view, obviously, you know, I think that's... every every new concept that we do with Primark should first and foremost have the lens of. How do we do it in a more sustainable way? Because we have come out and said we will be a circular and more sustainable business in the next 10 years. So I think that always is a pot, from my point of view, being director of private cares, it's a huge positive click and click because 
you can offer more sustainable choices through those channels. You know, they've done the team have done a lot of work about really reduced packaging. Um, you know, have limited the packaging that goes out of the store with those click and collect orders. So, I think look from a from a positivity from a, a reach of Primark Cares, it's it's hugely positive. But as a business, you know, we're offering you know Primark to more people and it's accessible. So it's been you know. It's it, it, it's a great start to click and collect, and let's see where it goes. Uh, you'll notice, you'll notice, by the way, another benefit of click and collect, which often isn't anticipated, which is um, uh, one of the reasons why Argos was always successful, uh, apparently, was that you could send someone else to buy something for you <laughs> and know they'd come back with the right thing. Because you said, what I want you to buy is a 106 409 slash 232. Yeah. Now, you know, certainly, you know, um, I, don't, I, I don't think my wife could reliably send me off to go and buy cosmetics or clothes. Um, whereas with Click and Collect, you have that benefit, which is people who can't make it to the store can send someone else with the reasonable confidence that, well, in this case, the complete confidence that they'll come back with the right thing. It, it actually, it actually, clicking, I mean, I, I think that, um, and we we do quite a bit of work with Sainsbury's, and I've always um, uh, wondered why Click and Collect is so little used. Okay, I understand in London, you know, where you have problems with parking, all those issues. Um, it's a it, you know, it's a slightly problematic thing. But in most cases, people are passing a Sainsbury's, you know, with two, three or three or four times a week, and it's always baffled me why um, uh, it's you know, it's, it's generally failed to. Um, uh, take off at the volume you might have expected, particularly you know if you think about what one of the problems with with larger stores, you know you, you, many of your stores are very very large indeed. Is just finding the things. You know I was I was I was looking for holiday sauce in in our local Sainsbury's, which is the size of the Hindenburg hangar, and it took me about fifteen minutes to find one item. Um, and so there is there is a really interesting thing there because you've also spotted the fact that you you ask questions about the sustainability of delivery of home delivery presumably yeah yeah that's interesting because they're, they're, i mean a there's a question of congestion there's the question of packaging i mean there are quite a few questions of home delivery which is um i think before it can scale by another factor of 2 or 3 someone will have to come up with some solution like locker collection because I don't think last mile delivery of everything to everybody is actually a you know a long term sustainable solution. Whatever Amazon may say, yeah. you know. I mean, as somebody said to me from P and G on this podcast, they said, you know, the problem with this is yes, you can get your razors delivered; they go through the letter box. But if you extend this principle to everything, then before long, you know, people don't people's homes are going to be turned into kind of you know UPS delivery hubs. You know, there's a limit to how many vans you want appearing every day, and I, 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 I think you've taken a brave step. You, you, it, in many ways, of course, as I mentioned with pricing, um, you're unafraid to be different. I mean, you started in Ireland, I think, as pennies. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, still and pennies it's, it's, in it, Ireland. It, it, it's still <laughs> pennies in Ireland. Interesting. Uh, then, then, then the next country was the UK. Is that right? Yeah, UK. Yeah, from Ireland to UK. So more, that's why most people think we're a UK business, but we're very proud to be an Irish business. Fantastic. And uh, you've now extended what is uh, Germany? I know. I think is right. Is that right? Yeah, we're in Germany, the Netherlands, uh, America. It. You know, fifteen countries now. So 
huge growth um you know incredible business and becoming a global retailer you know really exciting top two challenges brought to you by alf insight alf insight helps media owners agencies and marketing services providers improve their new business pipelines by equipping them with in-depth insights accurate information and daily news updates on the leading and challenger brands in the uk Alf now also helps sports clubs, venues and charities win new partnership deals. Alf Insight identifies brands to target at the right time, providing everything you need to tailor the perfect pitch. Visit www.alfinsight.com or click the link in the episode description if you want to find out more. So what do you see as the biggest challenge for Primark and the biggest challenge for the fashion retail industry, particularly fast fashion in general? Um, yeah, we often talk about this, actually. Um, I suppose, look, from a Primark first, um, our commitments that we've put out there, they are deliberately stretching. They're deliberately ambitious. You know, the last, you know, building those to be ambitious for two years hasn't been easy. The last year, you know, it hasn't been easy, you know, pulling the skill set in the business together, developing new skills. We talked about circularity um finding um responsibilities and and real drive you know all partnerships we've talked a lot about partnerships so really thinking about how stretching are those commitments and what's the solution so i suppose that would be a big challenge um i suppose one of the things for primark it's a positive as we said you know we're becoming a global brand we're in 15 markets from an environmental and an ethical legislation point of view it's different in yeah. every country you know, you, for example, you see a different in legislation in Europe to the UK now. Um, that is challenging, particularly when you trade in many different markets and we have to adapt and no one size fits all. Um, I suppose for the industry, you know, it's a challenge and a positive. We are seeing the industry move towards more legislative environment, um, you know, really thinking about how do you bring those customers with you, but also the investors, um, regulators, et cetera. So making sure that you are doing the right thing, but also that you're speaking about it in the right way. So I think one of the one things at the moment, while, you know, we welcome legislation is really thinking about making sure that, you know, you're not greenwashing as well. I think that's all brands are struggling with that because you want to make big change. We have to make big change. But you actually need to make sure that um, you communicate that change in the right, authentic and transparent way. And and I think retailers, some retailers, you know, if you're doing the right thing, that is the absolute right decision to make. But it can make retailers fearful of talking about the changes that they're making. Um, and what we really need is customers, as we've said many times, is to make changes. So they are shopping more sustainable that they are looking after their clothes in a different way, that they are repairing their clothes, that they are recycling items. Um, and when you, you know, you're fearful of talking about that, then that can inhibit change, can't it? So I guess um I guess they're the big ones. And then also making sure that you're adapting to that up and coming generation. You know, we touched on Gen Z. They're a very different generation. Gen Alpha is the same, you know, sustainability yeah. is built into their education. You know, they are expecting and demanding change. And we see that on two fronts. We see it from a 
um, consumer uh, wanting to shop with a retailer that really does care and demonstrates that. But we also see it from a colleague engagement. You know, we have 72,000 colleagues, as we said. They absolutely only want to work for a retailer that cares about this and basically making true um, change, but also demonstrating change. So I think it's a really interesting time for the fashion industry. Um, for me, personally, it's exciting, but it is with its challenges, absolutely. So they're, they're the main ones, Rory, I would say. That's incredibly useful. Your point of Jet Alpha is interesting too, because they strike me as slightly interesting because perhaps they've only grown up with relative abundance in uh, terms of material uh, goods, uh, not in terms of overall wealth. Uh, certainly not in terms of how you know housing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the you know the young have had enormous disadvantages. My generation didn't, but in terms of what you might call everyday consumer consumables, um, they've effectively grown up with an assumption of abundance. So I think that does create a, you know a fundamental change in mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you looked at this kind of blockchain-based technology, um, uh, which essentially means that you can track the provenance of goods. I know it's a very big feature in, in terms of things like cobalt or lithium for electric car batteries, where you have to be sure, I imagine it's pretty crucial for the diamond industry as well, although yeah. who knows, yeah. um, where you can be sure, you can, you can effectively track back the provenance of anything to make sure that it's been ethically manufactured and so on. Do you, do you pursue that fairly actively? Yeah, so we, we, we actively look. I think the bigger point is that transparency has been absolutely key. I think, you know, the fashion industry needs to be as transparent as possible. Um, their, their live um, large-scale programs that, that Primark are, are actively involved in is committing to transparency and over time being, you know, more transparent to whether it's um, investors, consumers, um to policymakers around where are our garments made, how are they made, where are they made, 
and you know standing over all of um of 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 the chain of um of of the supply chain um you know one of the things that we have been doing which is really interesting is we've been working with a company called Oratain where we can actually track back where our cotton is grown and that's really yes. important because we absolutely particularly with Prime Up sustainable cotton program program you absolutely need to stand over where it's grown um how it's grown where it's grown so ultimately we know where it comes from from the cotton so that's been a really interesting partnership and obviously you know that will only accelerate in terms of cross all of our garments and one of the things that we're very supportive of is legislation is moving that way the fashion industry is becoming a legit um a regulated industry um and that's really important to un understand um, what technology is out there from a transparency point of view and how you can use it um, right through your whole supply chain. But, but by the way, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see how legislation increasingly demands that people take responsibility uh, for um, you know, where and how things are produced and the, you know, the equitability with which suppliers are paid. I, I want to make a point here, which, by the way, it's very, very easy to knock uh, fast fashion. Um, and I can completely understand why people aged, uh, you know, 25 or so uh, find it a perfectly normal sort of topic of conversation to go, oh, it's terrible, it's all too cheap. I want to make the point that from an economic standpoint, uh, the reduction in the cost of high quality clothing has been one of the most significant achievements of the last 30 or 40 years. So that, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not claiming poverty. It would be completely, you, you know, um, uh, disingenuous. But I can remember that when you bought a school uniform uh, in 1977, which is where I went to secondary school, it was kind of like the, you know, you ended up spending kind of like the price of a holiday. I mean, sure. <laughs> I, I, mean I mean, I mean, I remember there's an American writing about this saying that when she went to school in the 1960s, you know, the cost of the clothing she needed just to go to school, uh, you know, effectively amounted to, I think it was, you know, over $100 then. Okay. Uh, I also make the point, by the way, in terms of general democratization, I was sitting at, sitting in the car in Bromley and someone came along and they were going to the Primark in Bromley to, for the wife to buy uh, clothing for a job interview. Okay. Now, when I was a kid, now, I, I don't think people born in 2000 or 1995 or whatever realised this. When I was a kid, you could tell how rich people were by their clothes. And in particular, a significant proportion of the population stood out as being poor because of the way they were dressed. And, you know, I think, I think at some <laughs> point, as well as berating, um, uh, you know, uh, low-cost, high-quality clothing, uh, for the fact that it's low cost, we ought to make a point about the social benefits this has brought, because you know, genuinely, you know, I didn't grow up in I grew up in South Wales, not in the particularly impoverished part of it, I might add, but right. you know, there were significant, you know, a significant part of the population were visibly poor because of their clothing. In right. school, it would be ill-fitting clothing, for example, or right. clothing that was, you know, in an appalling state of disrepair, and um, uh, so the fact that actually this has democratised something. Uh, and because the process has been relatively slow, we haven't noticed that. And in fact, as I keep saying, people under a certain age aren't even aware of the process having happened. But I mean, clothing was, you know, paying for, say, school school clothing was majorly painful as an expense right. to parents. Ah, it's still a bit painful, but, you know, you can, kit a, you can certainly 
kit a kid out for school for fifty pounds, and not many people will know. You know, now, now that's that's less in absolute terms, never mind real terms, than it would have cost uh, back in seventy-seven or the early eighties, say. And um, I think you know, I think we ought to make the point that this is actually socially important. That making high quality clothing available to everybody yep. is not something people should be ashamed of. No, um, and and you know, it's a personal view. You know, I'm very proud to work for Primark. I've worked for yeah. Primark for 12 years. Um, I see every day the commitment that the team make to doing better, changing. You know, and and I'm 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 part of that. But one of the things I think we do need to mind be mindful of is in that narrative of you know. A lower price garment means that it's throwaway. That is not the yeah. case for everybody. Um, it, it can be quite easy to say, okay, you know, I can go and buy, a, I don't know, a cup of coffee for three euros in Dublin. But ultimately, you know, that is the difference of somebody being able to clothe their children, for example, in a Primark store um, at three euros for a T-shirt. And I think it's disingenuous in a way to say that everybody throws away low value clothing because they actually don't and I think no, where no, we I have agree. Yeah, and, it, and it really I'm very again this is one that is very passionate about because I think it's also disingenuous to uh, assume that uh, sustainability should only be um, higher priced or people should be priced out of a sustainability and I think if you want to make real change you absolutely have to make sustainability affordable you, you, you do and we're seeing from we've done a lot of customer research and you know, every demographic of customer really care about this. And, you know, particularly you mentioned Gen Z, they really care about it. They want to shop more consciously. They want to make choices, but they might be on a lower budget, whether they're students or, you know, and I think what's really interesting dynamic at the moment is the living, um, the cost of living crisis is really having yeah. a massive impact on people's wallets. And, you know, people actually, we've done, again, market research to say that people are afraid that, again, sustainability will be priced out because, you know, it, it's the cost of living is is quite terrifying, isn't it? So I think that's even more important that we do what we're doing Com and that we don't take the foot off the gas here. I completely, I, I, I was very impressed to notice that quite a large percentage of the cotton you use is, in fact, organic wow. cotton. Now, when I, I, I hadn't even come across the concept of organic cotton until about 12 years ago, and then it was fairly niche as far as I remember. You know, you had to go out of your way to buy organic cotton, and yet we've reached a point in 12 years where I can't remember what percentage it is, but a fairly healthy percentage of the cotton you use is organically grown, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, on the cotton, it, it, there's a few different dynamics in that number. I mean, it's we've actually committed to, again, a, quite a stretching target of all of our cotton will be either sustainable, for, so from our own sustainable cotton program, and where we're going with that is turning that into a, a regenerative program, so it's really supporting biodiversity. Organic, as you said, or recycled cotton, which is ultimately taking old garments apart and feeding that back through into it into a new innovative fiber and at the minute we wow. we just launched this this year our new numbers you know Primark Cares is one year old and we're already at 40 percent of our cotton is made from recycled organic or Primark sustainable cotton um, and they're again really big numbers. I, I have to ask you then question what's modal <laughs> the, the fabric? Yeah. Oh, is it modal is it? Modal uh, 
Yeah. I, I realize that. Okay. Because I kept noticing, this is a phrase that I kept appearing in terms of describing cotton pro products, and I don't know what it means. I, mean, I assume it's a good thing, but I thought <laughs> while you're on the line, yeah, I had to ask a, you that question. It, 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 it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a more sustainable um, material, basically. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's interesting that you're seeing that. And, and and it's a really good point, that, actually, because what we see, actually, is it's really fascinating on customers is they are really interested in doing the right thing, but they don't know what to do. Um, and actually, one of the things yeah. we've been doing at Primark, and we need to do more, don't, you know, we don't have yeah. it all perfect, is, is actually on our website putting a glossary of terms. And what I mean by yeah. that is is actually saying, what do we mean by recycled polyester? What do we mean by cellulosic fiber? What do we mean by Primark Sustainable Cotton Program? In actually really simple terms. So a customer, you know, might see a QR code in store. Um, sorry, um, see a QR code in store, but actually then be able to link to the website to understand what they're actually purchasing. And again, because this stuff is really complex, you know, you've got legislation yeah. coming at us, we've got greenwashing you know, which, you know, ultimately you need to make sure you're really transparent to a customer, but you also need to help customers understand their actions and how their actions will make a difference, but ultimately what are they buying as well? So I think it's a, a really interesting point that people just don't really understand. I quite often it's interesting because the fact that you use the term means people assume it's good, okay? Uh, and so I had no idea. And there's also clothing made from bamboo. Have you explored this at all? Is that, yeah, is that a good yeah, idea? Yeah, we've used some um, some bamboo. Um, again, you know, relatively small scale for us. But I think, I think again, the, the point that we're really committed to is where can we use our investments as a company? You know, where can we push new fibres, new innovation through the supply chain? Because... We've been quite involved in talking about, you know, again, with partnerships about um, how you actually drive these new fibers through. So, again, customers are naturally purchasing more sustainable fibers. So we've got a very big another a partnership with Recover in Spain. So Recover Cotton is recycled cotton. So they're taking um, all garments, stripping the fiber back down and, and reusing it into um, into garments. So it's a recycled cotton. Um, and it's really thinking about, again, how do we get more of that through our garments? And, and that's when, you know, I might have mentioned it at the beginning. When, when we first started Primark Cares as a label, it's about probably Primark Cares is five years old now. We just didn't have the, the large um, commitments of our strategy that are out in the public domain until last year. But, you know, in one year, we've gone from 25% of our garments in store. So when a customer walks into store, they see a blue heart with a Primark Cares label on it. Now we're at 45%. And the reason I mention it is because it's really impactful that you've actually, you, you're getting there at scale for customers to come in and be able to make better choices. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's it's been a really interesting journey, but definitely the key is to be in you know, inquisitive around new um, technologies to be bold about the decisions that we may make as a retailer to help co consumers be able to have, um, as I keep saying, more sustainable choices. But it's a really interesting space, I think, for the fashion industry. Do you, do you think there's a business to be in, which is, I always half jokingly, half seriously say, uh, you can get 80% of the pleasure of buying a new car 
by having your existing car valeted. Okay, <laughs> you know, true. you can you can some you can sometimes achieve eighty percent of the pleasure of moving a house by simply you know rearranging your rooms or your furniture. Okay, and I've always thought you know you actually get eighty percent of the pleasure of buying a pair of new shoes by having them you know professionally polished or repaired. Is there a parallel business do you think which needs to be created? I mean, there are. Uh, my daughter uses some weird firm in Lincoln which take old pairs of trainers that look basically as if they're fit for landfill, and they basically make them look new. Now, it costs about 40 quid, but on the other hand, which seems, you know, when she first did it, I was kind of going, what the hell's going on here? But uh, when I gave it a bit more thought, I realised that you effectively pay £40 and, and end up with what is effectively feels like a new pair of shoes. And it's called Shoe Doctor. It's called something yeah, like that, anyway. Yeah. Um, and... Um, uh, do you think there's a parallel business you can start which effectively takes people's clothes and either repairs them or just effectively makes them feel as new? Because, you know, I, I must admit, I'm staying in a hotel at the moment and I'm an absolutely hopeless inveterate user of hotel dry cleaning. <laughs> and part of, the reason, part of the reason is that when you're in a hotel, getting things dry cleaned is just really easy. And then you end up with a jacket, you know, okay, admittedly wrapped in plastic or a metal hanger, but we'll park that little part of it. But actually, you know, when you get home, it feels like owning a new jacket. And I was just wondering, if, you know, I've always wondered if, the, you know, it always strikes me as strange there isn't a kind of Uber for dry cleaning, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think what's really interesting about Primark, you know, obviously we're doing, you know, great pilots with Click and Collect, but we're first and foremost a high street retailer and we're committed yeah. to bricks and mortar and the reason we are is because we are a brand that's affordable for everyone we've said that numerous times yes. but actually it's about the community the high street and it's about the community that thrives around that high street and then how can you offer that fun you know we're, we're a brand for everyone but we offer that you know feeling of fun of excitement of community of coming together for an experience for joy and and I think that's what's really interesting about and, some... and also also the the community benefit of people buying clothes who can't afford to make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's really it. interesting yeah. because you re you referenced it at the beginning. We've got really large stores. You know, when when known for surprise and delight, you reference Greg's. So I think this is all of those ideas that we have the opportunity and the opportunity to partner with various different businesses to actually offer you know, services, whether it supports Primark Cares, it supports the community. You know, we're doing some really interesting things with Warnwell, who are a UK um, vintage clothing um, ah. partners. So we've launched in Manchester, uh, Birmingham and our London Oxford Street store. You know, it's it, it it's all supporting this circular economy, but it's also offering customers that surprise and delight to come back. And there's so many interesting things. So and, and also, I think what's really important is when I talk about repair, because we've had some really interesting learnings from that. Not only are you offering a skill, not only oh. are you delivering against your Primark Cares commitments, not only are you getting consumers to change behaviors, we've actually found that we've had people sat in workshops saying, I didn't know I had the confidence to be able to repair or stitch that button on. And you've, we've actually had people meet. And when I talk about community, we've had people meet in that workshop and set up a sewing hub because they're wow. lonely after COVID. So 
I actually think what's really important about Primark is just being inclusive for everyone, open and being really innovative about how we use our store space. And, you know, I think there's so many exciting things that deliver against sustainability that we should absolutely commit to. And I imagine, by the way, the existence of your bricks and mortar stores is also fairly instrumental in the survival of quite a few retail developments, isn't it? I'm thinking of, you know, this, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're looking at the survival of the high street, uh, you are one of the anchor stores of a high street. I think you know, Lakeside, similarly, uh, the Primark in Lakeside is probably, you know, if, if the Primark left, uh, they'd take a much, much bigger hit than merely the loss of uh, your own sales. It's particularly good because you can combine um, uh, a trip to Primark with Taco Bell upstairs. By the way, for anybody listening, um, there aren't that many Taco <laughs> Bells in the UK. So for the connoisseur, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd put that tip out there. Um, one, one thought I've had, had is you you talked very actively and very healthily, I think, about these partnerships with people like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Have you thought of doing kind of top shop style partnerships with certain fashion brands, or have you have you done that already? And H and M famously did it. Topshop did it with Kate Moss. I think bizarrely, I think H and M did it with Versace. Of all things, there is a whole range of H and M Versace designed clothing. Have you thought that that kind of partnership may also be helpful uh, in slight, slightly premiumizing, but also um, adding extra desirability to you know, and and covering the margin of more sustainable clothing? I guess. I think I think in terms of the partnerships, it's I think we've just got to do what is the right partnership first and foremost for Primark, yeah. but, but Primark customers actually, you know what offers um, a solution because we are here to change our business and do the right thing. I said at the beginning for people and planet, so you know whatever yeah. we do in a partnership has to be driving change or action. One of the as I, I guess change and action are linked, aren't they? So offering what our customers want, making sure, because we've always been a brand that's affordable, so we absolutely can't stray from that. Um, and sustainability should be affordable. It's a huge pillar of Primark Cares. So I think we're always open to, you know, offering, as I said, joy, excitement, but also yep. driving change and action. So whatever that partnership looks like, that is the right thing. I think what I know as a brand and certainly myself and my team, we are actively calling on people to join us towards um, changing the fashion industry to driving it forward. You know, love it dearly, but it's quite an archaic industry in some places. So how do we come together? How do we drive? Um, you know, how does Primark be a leader in change? And if that is a partnership with whoever, you know, we've got incredible partnerships already in terms of license. So, you know, we've got very very strong um a disney partnership for example and we do incredible work with disney we do incredible yes. work with primark cares and disney so you know it's really about what is that partnership rather than being about a person or no. a brand it's about Understood. what is the solution but making it really authentic rory and this is what i'm two reasons i'm passionate about it is one it should be authentic we are a brand that is is authentic but we're open and come and talk to us rather than filling in the yeah. blanks of what you think of how you think we are um but yeah i get i guess the other thing is is in terms of you know driving it through to make real change and 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 making sure it's authentic in terms of not greenwashing so you know doing what it says on the tin making sure we communicate that really well to a customer and we're not just trying to 
or be accused of greenwashing because it's not got that authenticity in it. And that's one of the things I think we need to be really careful of, but really challenging of for Primark Cares. So that's where that's my view on partnerships anyway, but obviously open to always thinking about why I'll be partnering with people or brands. So I already find out for anybody listening that you've just published your Primark Sustainability and Ethics Progress Report on the foundational year. Um, and that's downloadable. I, I don't think I, I've probably better not give the URL. Uh, actually, I can do. It's corporate.primark.com slash sustainability hyphen report. So once again, that's corporate.primark.com slash sustainability report. I'll just ask one final question out of naked self-interest. <laughs> Historically, you're one of those low-cost brands that's never advertised um, or never spent heavily on advertising. Do you see particularly as people often say don't wink in the dark in other words if you are doing these worthwhile things you might as well let people know more about them and indeed it would probably pay if more people knew about the quality and thought that went into your clothing because there's always a danger that people discount things simply on account of low price that that you know the 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 price quality heuristic in the human brain is pretty strong yeah. the, you get what you pay for assumption can you envisage a time where you might start to advertise more pants in the US, not in the UK, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is we've always um, had, we've got a very lean business model. We pass that efficiency on to the customers, whether that's, you know, that we do, as I said at the beginning, 50%, you know, of our uh, lines are core basics. That What that means is that you actually make them really efficiently. They run in volume through through our factory it's not our factories but our supplier network so it's uh, we've got an efficient business model that is never ever going to change you know we therefore it part of that business model is to have a very lean advertising model that doesn't mean we don't have impact and and the reason no. i say that is because you know we well, are social a, media following is huge yeah, yeah so we said the 24 million we are no. a bricks and mortar retailer. We have millions of people through our door every single day and we're a growing brand. So, you know, 15 countries will hopefully turn into more countries. You know, America, um, you know, we've published and said that we're growing in the States. So, you know, we're very visible on high streets. And um, as I said, we're a, we're a company of growth. It's a story of growth. Um, and, and so that combined with customers coming through our doors, our un unbelievable for you know, technically a non-transactional website. Obviously, we've now got the click and collect pilot yes. going on. Um, that's a huge following. I think what we need to get better at is how do we bring sustainability or Primark Cares to a customer? And that's one of my ambitions and the team's ambitions for this year. I was going to say. How yeah. do you tell the story? And you mentioned the Primark Sustainability and Ethics Progress Report. Why that's really important is our whole foundations of 15 years of the ethics and sustainability is there in one place. You know, what I found when I stress tested the strategy, a lot of people said, I did not know that about Primark. I did not know they've got a 10-year-old no. sustainable cotton program. So I think we need to do a better job of communicating. But for us, that'll be in the way we currently do it. Just thinking about maybe a different tone, but using our windows in store our footfall of customers our social channels and and also sustainability is really complex isn't it so i think we need to find a way that we can talk about this in an authentic simple way but without greenwashing so 
I, in answer to your question, no, we will never move away to doing expensive ad campaigns, but I think we can do an even better job than we already do about communicating Primark and the change that we're trying to do. Uh, of course, it isn't, and just, just to defend advertising, if it leads to greater volume and greater economies of scale, advertising isn't necessarily a cost that the consumer pays. I mean, when Marks and Spencer's first, Marks and Spencer's famously never advertised, and when they first did what they called a brand campaign, which just had, I think, the M&S logo and someone wearing an item of their clothing, much to their absolute surprise, which shouldn't have surprised them really, uh, all the suits and things that featured in the ad campaign sold out. And um, uh, so, you know, it is, it is worth noting that, you know, um, if it changes volume and it, it leads to greater economies of scale or it makes people willing to pay a small premium to cover the cost of something they value that's intangible, if you like, then actually, uh, you know, I, I can I can see a way of defending advertising, not necessarily paid for mass advertising, but I can see a reason to justify advertising on those grounds alone, I think. Yeah, but um, as a very proud mother of two uh, teenage daughters, 14 and 17, all they need to do is put it all on TikTok these days. So. No, 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 don't, don't, don't. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, my, my daughters don't use TikTok, and I was, they do actually, but I would joke that, uh, are you sure your intention span is long enough for it? I mean, it, it's, just, it's, kind of, it's kind of wonderful how the young love to use media, which the old find baffling. And part of that is part of its appeal, of course, which is kind of fascinating. Although I do watch it myself occasionally, actually. It's worth, it, it is worth 10 minutes of your day quite often, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just really that it, I suppose the point is to say that um, if you do, you know, offer your customers the right thing, you know, they have joy, they have excitement, it kind yes. of evolves, doesn't it? Our customers talk for us, I suppose, is, is my point. <laughs> Absolutely perfectly put. Well, thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You've been listening to On Brand with Alf and Rory Sutherland. Uh, if you want to do business with Primark or any other brand in the fashion sector, contact the Alf Insight team on their website, which is www.alfinsight, that's A-L-F insight.com. Uh, you can also find the link in the episode description. This series is produced and, as ever, expertly edited by Ultimate Sound and Vision. And to make sure you receive the next episode, please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then also tweak the algorithm by giving us a like. All I can say is thanks for listening and here's to next time. Once again, Lynn, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much, Rory. It was a delight. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 